You're listening to the Guru's Book Club and Self-Improvement Podcast, hosted by Brian and Andy. quote of the day is, when the aristocracy catches a cold, the working class dies of pneumonia. By uh, lots of people, but in this case, Jordan B. Peterson is the one who quoted it in his book, 12 Rules for Life. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this discussion. So, uh, let's go with this quote of the day. Um, wow, that's a statement, huh? Yeah, let's talk about the the uh, differences for those who have and the have-nots. That's exactly yeah. what they're talking about. And it's uh, Industrial Revolution kind of making it that way. Um and then he even brought up evolution into this. So being, yeah. you know, and, and the predisposition for you to rise up or rise, you know, depending on where you where you are in life. So, so interesting. Um, Very interesting. I, I have to say, I love that he brought lobsters into it. I think that is so interesting. And he... One, I thought, who is this guy, and how much time did he actually spend reading up on lobsters? You know, it sounds like he did a lot of research. He's got some footnotes and stuff in there. To, to he mark. does. He does. And that's what's so interesting. I thought that this book had some great analogies. I thought that this, I thought the analogies really helped bring out the story for the rule. And the rules are fairly simple. Um, the first rule being... Uh, stand up straight with your shoulders back. Right. Yeah. And then he goes into a diatribe about lobsters and animal pecking orders and bullies and, you know, different types of science. And then he actually even starts going into the science behind... behind behind it and well, the different types of levels i mean the nervous system uh my goodness my goodness amazing so amazing huh it's it, it to me this this part and, and i really wanted to get your take on it as a professional therapist and what you're thinking behind especially the first the first rule is interesting um, because I thought that it had a lot of science behind it, evolutionary track type of stuff, which I wondered where you kind of as a therapist kind of stood on this kind of where you're yeah. like, Hey, you're, you know, you don't stand up for yourself. Um, I can see some therapeutic stuff, but what else are you thinking about that? You know, being able to stand up for yourself and, be strong and standing and having a good posture, which is kind of a fundamental thing of saying, 
I am confident about who I am as a person mm -hmm. and that comes out. And then also some of the science and some of the, the, I'd almost say social sociology behind why people get bullied and why there's yeah. bullies. I mean, it's a very interesting discussion. So I thought I want to get your take on it. What do you think? Well, it's really interesting. So he's talking about the the dominance hierarchy, right? The, the pecking order, classism, like what, whatever you want to define it as or look at it as. He's just basically talking that there are people who, um, not necessarily because of who they are or where they were born or anything like that, um, they just get what they want. You know, they they take it or they fight for it or, you know, all these different things this is what he's talking about. Like the birds fighting each other or doing these things that they're naturally ingrained in, you know, biologically, they will do these things. Uh, I think it was, uh, was it the wren bird? The wren, the wren. Yep. Yeah. That will go and, and fill up the, the other bird houses so that no one else can go into his territory which is really interesting. The lobsters will fight to the death sometimes. Um, and then he brings in the humans where we will in many ways do the same thing. Um, what I thought was interesting is the fact that he said that not all of them will start off like that. The, the male, the big alpha male lobsters will fight each other to death. But if, if a beta lobster sees an alpha lobster and recognizes it's, it's powerless in that situation that it will back down and disappear you know it'll say hey i can't fight this lobster but even i thought the biggest main point was that the defeated change and start to feel less than and i have actually witnessed that in real life where you can see a very confident person. I had a boss that was very confident walking into his position. Um, and he got hired and this, this other leader had took, taken him in and saying, you're the guy. Then we got transferred to a new group mm. and the new boss was, that was over the, over my, over my boss was really really kind of a bully and you could slowly see how he just kind of went down in position in yeah. thought process and thinking about himself a more of a defeatist attitude i thought that was an interesting point of view because i've seen that over and over again in real life that you can see people Kind of after they lose a battle, feeling defeated and just, and then slowly just get, and it also is followed by more defeats to where you're building the story about you being a failure to, you know, you're, you're a defeated person, a defeated lobster. Yeah. Well, it's almost like the law of attraction. You know, where it's like what you think you'll get is what you'll get kind of thing. And But then the science comes into it where it's like the serotonin levels really do change in a person as they do in lobsters. You know, when they said they, 
say they actually in a lobster they regrow yeah. their brain as a subservient lobster. Yeah, the old brain starts to dissolve. What? I and know. so this is, I, this is millions of years old, you know, according to the the um, science on it. Um, you look at humans, though, and this is this is the interesting thing. I think um, at at our base, you know, lizard brain self, we probably do revert back to these things unconsciously, where you know we're we're like you know the alpha male um, kind of thing. And I think we can all think of examples of that type of a person. You know, they've got to use their brawn to kind of st stick up or stand up to someone or, you know, intimidate or whatever it is, right? They've got to assert themselves. It's synonymous with toxic masculinity in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, as far as like the, the therapeutic value of this, I, I thought it was so interesting because he's, as he's talking, at first I'm like, oh no, is he going this direction of saying like, we're like, we're all, natural selection and it's you know uh you know the, the strongest will survive and those of us who aren't like it's our own faults and things like like i really thought he was going the route of blaming the victim um kind of thing but i like that he brought in the science of it because that's really not blaming the victim he's just explaining exactly what happens when we meet defeat you know, we do start to doubt ourselves or even brings up the fact um, that, you know, if you're on the bottom, the resources are more scarce and you are fighting for your life a little bit more and, and you just don't have a lot of options and you're a little more hyper aware because you need to be vigilant to make sure that you're going to survive. You know, and, and I thought that that's very pertinent because um, as humans, you know, we are in many ways um, fighting over resources. You know, think about uh, oil and gasoline, for example. Um, but anyways, I, I digress. I'm kind of going on tangents. I apologize. No, but that's what. No, but that's what we wanted to hear. I wanted to hear your point of view on that one because I, I was in fear, and I wanted to see what you thought of that. In the fact that he definitely brings up things like people that show too much compassion for individuals are kind of a weaker person because they don't have the ability to stand up for themselves. Because he also says that having righteous anger mm -hmm. is, and, and feelings such as that, is as a human needed. Well, I would say the anger, and you know, you and I, we've discussed this on previous books, mm -hmm. um, uh, where um, your Buddhist background has a, a different approach to anger. Right. My uh, my clinical background is that every emotion serves a purpose, including anger, and that it is absolutely something that is okay to feel. And of course it is, you know, kind of that cliche thing of what do you do with it though? You know, and according to this book and what we've been reading, it's like, well, <laughs> you assert yourself, right? You use that anger to, to, to stand up for yourself and all these things. And it's, 
That's true, but at the same time, um, I don't know. I feel like it, it's too simplified. It doesn't take into account all the different variables in a person's life. And he kind of mentions it, you know, again, with the scarce um, resources and, and, you know, different causes of, of stress. I mean, he goes into, you know, the the health issues, the people at the, at, you know, and he's calling it the bottom, which I don't like. I don't like that he's referring to people at the bottom because he's he's basically placing people into, into classes by saying that. Uh, so I, I don't like the language, the terminology that he's using because it, it feels a little bit demeaning. Um, I understand what he's talking about, though. He's saying that those who don't have the resources, and we know that that is true. We know that there are people living in poverty. You know? And to literally say that they're on the bottom, I, I feel like that's that's defeating and, and quite frankly rude. Like you're literally beneath me. Do you think that there's fact in it, though? Uh, fact that there's a class system? Yeah. Fact that people are beneath others? No. That's it. That's, I, I think that there is facts that... So I'm going to tell you that I once ran into somebody that told me that there is poor man mentality. Hmm. And what he was stating was that it's people that have a certain way of thinking that keeps them poor. Mm -hmm. And I thought that it was interesting because I've never really been, I mean, I was broke, but never, and I knew that I was working on an education and things to help build my life and be a part of my journey, but I never felt that I was, but in that kind of thinking. But he said there is poor man's thinking that keeps you in a place and almost describes what he's talking about, I think in a better way than saying you're at the bottom. Yeah. But maybe there is a state of mind that is that feels defeated. It's, that, a, it's a survival state of mind. It's not that... Right. You know, it's like you have to be so vigilant and work super hard just to get by. And he brings that up that 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 when you're in this mentality where you have less serotonin, that you are more in a fight or flight stage most of the time because you're always worried, always looking over your back for something to not attack you. Um, they state that is the same mentality for PTSD victims of, you know, some sort of abuse that happened. And they, they have that same mentality, that fight or flight is very common in PTSD victims. Yeah, it, it really is. Uh, I mean, it, it's, again, it's that lizard part of the brain. And this happens with, with stress, right? Cortisol poof, pumps into the brain and shuts down the prefrontal cortex, that, that front part of the brain. And all you're left with is th that first part um, that was, that you know, as we're developing even, it's the brainstem, you know, the, right near the brainstem, right? We're, we're functioning in the primitive brain when stress 
hits us, right? When, when we have trauma, negative events, um, lots of worry, lack of resources, and we're, and we're, we're having to fight. You know, so we're we're in that part of the brain because we've we've got to figure out how to live. And he does go into that really well in the book. I, I enjoyed that he went into that. Um, and I like that you bring up the poor man. Um, I I know it as the culture of poverty, um, where you know it's it is this belief because of life experience and what has happened to. Um, generations before that if you get a resource you do not know how long that is going to last or if someone's going to take it right so you you use that resource and you protect it and and you you don't let you know like like this is this is yours so even even in the lower levels you know you're going to be seeing some fighting maybe um and especially in culture of poverty uh, we actually see a lot more of this, this brute, actual physical fighting, more amongst um, people that are impoverished um, than those who are wealthy. You don't see wealthy people getting into brawls. <laughs> Not always, anyways. You sometimes do. Well, right, and that's what I'm saying is, is that I think that, and he states this, that you don't always have to fight when you have a mentality that you're better than others. And you keep that that confidence. Now, I think sometimes it's arrogance. It's that some of these individuals have that they're better than others, and that's what the one thing that I am definitely. I don't think that people are better than others. I think that there is. I think we choose things in our lives to be a certain way, and karma is involved with some certain things, but it's up to us to make the best of it. And we are all treasures. I definitely believe that in, with the full extent of my, you know, of my thought process and my philosophy. But I do believe that there are people that don't think enough of themselves. And I oh, think God. that that's where he's trying to go with this. It's not that you have a bad way of thinking or that you're worthless. It's you need to think more of yourself. And one of the rules is think more of yourself than less than of yourself. And look at this as a journey, not a destination. You're not destined because you had some failures to be a failure. You can pick yourself up and be able to positively move on. And I think he's also saying you can, by the fact that he set this rule up, that you can change. Mm -hmm. And that he brings up the yin-yang quite a bit, which is chaos and order. Right. And he brings up that it's a natural way that the world works. So chaos, and, and it's how you deal with the chaos that brings order. Right. And, and he... He does go on to say near the end of that first chapter, right, this first rule, um, that there is science backing the idea that if you're feeling sad, you smile and you feel better. And, you know, there's this whole thing of, well, you got to fake it till you make it. I hate that term because I, I feel like um, it, it really creates this, this false idea 
right? Like, I think it actually forces people to suppress the emotions that they're feeling. Fake that I'm happy. Yeah, yeah, things are fine. I'm going to pretend that life is good. Um, so I think faking to make it is really awful um, in that regard. But the idea that you smile when you're unhappy, uh, that's not faking. How can you fake a smile if you're actually smiling? Is that not a real smile? Right. And it's I think he's also saying that is, it's the emotion behind the smile that we're talking about, right? You're not faking that you're happy. You're just putting on a smile. And it actually literally changes the, the chemicals shooting off in the brain. So there's science backing this. Right. It's so incredibly cool. Which is interesting that you're not surprised. So that's where you have to take a look at this and why the, what you're talking about, what am I suppressing or am I just in a down place? And I have to realize that this isn't the, this isn't it. This isn't the end of the journey. I'm not a loser because I, you know, because I gained five pounds back. Um, yeah. You know, there is no, you can change. And that was the other thing that change is inevitable. And that means that you can change anything at any given time. You know, you can choose to not be a bully, but to be confident in who you are as a person. And that's part of the journey is finding that confidence and finding out who you are and making peace with it. Yeah. Well, and, and so cool because he, he talks about how, like, you know, um, the bullies in, in school growing up or, like, the awful circumstance at home, hopefully, as you age, circumstances change. You know, there's some instances where you, because of the difficulties, um, perhaps you're not able to change the circumstances that much as you age. However, um, as soon as you're aware of what we're talking about here, right? Uh, that's when the change can really start to happen. The, the greatest change is going to happen once you're aware. You're not going to save a sinking boat unless you know it's sinking. That's exactly the point. Now, I am going to take this a little darker place. So there is this where most of us have this mentality, but a lot of us haven't dealt with deep trauma. And I know that you've had seen a lot of deep trauma where they are so traumatized that they are the defeated lobster and they keep that mentality. And how is it that, and I know from a therapeutic thing that you work with this a lot, mm -hmm. how in a therapeutic way, do you try to change that mentality? You know, other than just read a nice book that says you should change the mentality, but how is a therapist when somebody comes in with that defeated PTSD mentality to help them uplift themselves out of that. Yeah. I think, well, you know, at first, uh, um, let me, let me break down the therapeutic process a little bit, right? Because therapy uh, really first starts with the relationship. Um, so you've got to have someone that validates you that says, yeah, shoot, that other lobster, that big old bad lobster clipped off your eye. That is not okay. I can't believe that happened. 
you know are are you okay like how like like how are you how are you even surviving right now how did you even come into the office so you're kind of building them up like showing you know i mean it starts with a relationship start with validating you know like they're they did survive they're here in the office after all you know they haven't given up entirely so there's there's a strength there um but you know as you develop that relationship you can you can bring to their attention right that there are these self-limiting beliefs and you you go back in time and you, you process the events that taught them that all these beliefs are just learned they are learned through difficult life experience you learn that the world isn't safe or that you can't succeed simply because you didn't succeed before so we need to start creating small successes in their life you know and so like listeners um you know if you're struggling with with self-esteem you're struggling with believing that things can improve um i i would say yes they can improve and you have to start small you're not going to get your dreams tomorrow unfortunately and you will never get them if you don't do anything right what's that quote you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take yeah Absolutely so we have, right. to, we have to take shots we have to do something and so you know you start looking at the good things and we help point those out um you build them up maybe you, you identify the thinking um errors or cognitive distortions these false thoughts that they have learned to, to automatically think in their life. Um, and, and again, you tie those back to the events that taught them. And you can show them that simply the way they're living um, is a survival tactic. They learn to do these things. I mean, the crab that runs or the lobster that runs away doesn't die. It lives. Lives on to see another day. To do other things you know and that is that's that's kind of what we we are attempting to do in, in therapy you know you've got to look at the strengths you've got to realize that what you have been doing is to keep you alive and now like the book talks about circumstances change what you were doing that was working for you back then that kept you safe that kept you alive is no longer necessary because you're not in that situation anymore. Let's learn some other ways of handling this. You know, and again, that would be recognizing the thoughts. That would be um, very, very uh, deliberately pointing out the strengths and then creating, finding ways to create those small wins. So they can build up that confidence, you know. This, and uh, according to the science here that we're reading about, right? Like, um, it's it's even about how you hold yourself up. Your posture matters. Your facial expressions matter. You know, if you're unhappy, smile. Don't pretend you're happy. Just do the actual physical thing of smiling. Roll those shoulders back. Sit up tall doesn't matter if you're feeling awful do it anyways it's an exercise it's like it's like picking up a barbell and moving it you know might not be the best at it 
you're not gonna pull the most weight, but just by doing it, you're making improvements. And that's not faking it. Right. And I think this is what's um and this this is where Western and Eastern meet right here. Because it's about changing habit of mind. And the Buddhists do it through meditation um, and deep concentration on finer points like being able to do that. Keep talking. No. <laughs> but that's exactly what the circumstances are, is that we... Interesting enough, we as Western and Eastern philosophy students, I would call us students, um, find that that's exactly what is needed is changing the habit of mind, being able to take a look at our lives and saying, I don't like the way that this is. And then changing your thought process slowly over time, because it definitely doesn't happen overnight. You know, your ther your trauma does not solve itself overnight. And that's the one thing that I, it is a time process. And, but it is changing over time. That's why when I meditate, I constantly am meditating over some of the same things because it's recognizing in my mind, this other belief this other thought process that is more superior to the thought process that I had before, like having deep compassion for others, realizing that people are so important that we're all connected in an inner web of life. Yeah. And it is so important to keep that mentality and, you know, keeping that love. I think that love is the one thing that I didn't hear in this, but we're really talking about some of the basic, it's almost like Maslow's hierarchy of needs in this chapter. What yeah. is it that your base needs and your base needs are to feel confident in yourself to be able to, I think you have to be confident in yourself to even register that you're able to make improvements. Because when you're down on yourself so badly, you don't go to the therapist. You just go, well, this is the lot of my life. And you don't go to that. So that's the where fact suicidal that you... ideation creeps in, right? That's where mm -hmm. it gets really, really, really difficult. You know, um, for, for the person, you know, living that experience, it's extremely difficult because there is hopelessness. You know, and how do you create hope? for someone that feels hopeless, that they have this learned helplessness in a lot of ways, right? They have tried to get up and they have tried before to make life better and maybe they just keep failing. Or it's not that they keep failing, it's just despite their best efforts, the circumstances, the environment that they're in is just not conducive, right? Or, you know, kind of like what we're talking in here, the, the fact that there is that low serotonin the person is in the feedback loop, making the uh, the situation even worse without realizing it, and so they back themselves up into this corner. Unfortunately, right, and, and this it's not necessarily their fault, 
you know, it's just what they do to protect themselves. It's it's the it's the lobster going under the rock to shed their 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 hard shell. You know, to, to but grow. but th what's even worse is sometimes they're not even molting, and that's the part here that's part of the problem. There's one thing to go protect yourself when you need to be protected, mm -hmm. and relying on others and shelter and things like that to be protected. But it's when you think that you always have to be protected, right. that you're always in a sense of, I'm not good enough, I need to go protect myself. And that's when serious, I think that even he even states he, he goes through a scenario with an agoraphobic and how yeah, they go, right, where they go through the whole process of not even feeling uncomfortable in their own house because of their habits of mind that they keep getting confirmation. And this is the one thing that I thought was really interesting is that if you're looking for the confirmation in things, you will find it. If yeah. you're looking for fearful things to something to be feared, you will find those things as she, as like a human, as an animal. Things if you look for positive. Now our brains are wired to look out for the negative, right? If we're talking about the evolution piece, um, we had to be on the lookout for tigers, right? Right, or those those elephants that could come trampling down and knock over your tent and crush you to death. You had to be vigilant. You had to watch, right? And so, and again, we're talking about the primitive brain. We're talking about that that lizard brain that is all about survival. It is all about survival. And what's so interesting, right? So he's talking about birds. He's talking about primates. He's talking about, um, uh, you know, the, obviously the lobster. And he's liking this unto them. But, like, guess what? None of them have a prefrontal cortex like us. Right. They can't process life. They can't um, make sense of meaning of life they don't ask that question they just no. live it's a burden for us but it's also a blessing <laughs> that we that we have this and and you know so we're we're looking at you know in terms of the agoraphobia we're looking at a person that is less and less in their prefrontal cortex and going more and more into that freeze fight or flight part of their brain and they're getting stuck they are there non-stop like you're saying yeah and so you you create changes um you know by what i was talking about and also like what he's talking about in the book with uh i mean he starts off with just routine and why that is so important i thought that was great that he brought that up because all these things are learned habits habit of thinking habit of acting you know that can be changed. And that's the one yeah. thing that's in this is that, that the habit of mind. And this is the one thing listeners that you will find is that you're not pin, you're not pinpointed into a certain direction. You're not going to have to live this life, you know, and that's the great news is that, that you, there is a learned optimism that you can do. Yeah. And I think that, yes, there is a negativity bias based off of the animalistic 
perspective of sticks could be snakes and 90 percent of the time it's a stick but that one ten percent of it being a snake could kill you yes we have a negativity bias as that but we also have the prefrontal cortex the white matter in our brain that helps us be responsive and learn to respond instead of react. And that's getting ourselves out of that loop that makes us reactive is what the Buddhists spend meditation on. Hmm. That's what I spend my time on is to learn how to respond. And it actually is a proven scientific fact that when you meditate, when you are in that contemplative state, you actually are increasing white matter in your brain. So that prefrontal cortex to be able to learn how to respond and see things differently. And that is a learned behavior. Something you and can practice. Something you can practice. And also they say that cortisol actually decreases white matter. So when you are feeling stressed out all the time, you're actually decreasing your white matter and it makes you more reactive, more fight or flight. But mm -hmm. that's why I suggest listeners that you definitely read this book, of course, but also find a good thing for being able to quiet the mind. I do it through meditation. I think Brian has taught some meditation in just a simple breathing meditation to be able to center yourself, to be able to learn how to just accept the way things are and then additionally for me, what I do is I put into my spiritual practice, thought processes and contemplations of love, loving others, being more compassionate, being more of a benefit to others, which uplifts yourself because you have to be uplifted to be able to do that to others. Just like we talked about with the uh, face masks that drop down from the airplane. Yeah. You have to be able to be uplifted to be able to give that kind of compassion to others. And, you know, we are social beings. Um, one of the, from the last book, Burnout, talks about how if you're struggling with self-worth, self-esteem, you know, and you just don't think you're that great, right? You're feeling a little hopeless. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to change, you know, kind of, kind of belief system um then believe that you can change someone else's life do good for them and there is that a positive feedback loop there right that as you do good for others um you start to get it in return then your life starts to change you know uh and he brings that up that your life starts to change in a positive and then positive law of attraction is a is a way of describing this um, positive positivity, the laws of positivity. Um, those things that you vibrate well with, you will attract. So that yeah. means that you will start to attract more positive things in your life. And it's because your mindset has changed. Positive mindset makes a huge difference in the outcome. Well, it could even just be that, you know, because you have higher levels of serotonin when you start having that outlook that you just look at the world differently 
you're happier. Your your brain like something happens and you're able to like, hey, wow, look at that, that's cool. Instead of like, oh man, see, nothing works. <laughs> so wired just, happiness. Yep. Yeah, because the the chemicals in the brain have absolutely a lot to do with that. You know whether or not you feel good, something bad happens. You know the lobster grabs your leg and breaks it. <laughs> you know you 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 get away, you survive. And maybe you say like, hey, wow, broke my leg, but I still have my eye. I'm glad about that. Then you can be a lobster and realize that you'll grow them back. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. But that's true. That's true. You can grow whatever thing happens in your life that's negative and and takes you um, down. You can grow back and beyond to your confidence level right you grow from the experience absolutely right the science show our our brains are incredible what we can do and how we can heal and and the neuroplasticity all the brain cells that are generated it's false that you know once you know you only have a certain number of brain cells and you kill them they're gone false nope not true you can continue you might not be at the same level as when you were a kid, right? There's some uh, talk about, you know, some science about that. Um, but as adults who have experienced trauma, who have extreme anxieties, depression, uh, extremely difficult um, life circumstances, you know, we're talking about class system here, you know, we're talking about racism, sexism, you find yourself... Um, victim to these things uh it doesn't have to be the end it doesn't have to determine your future your destination absolutely and you brought up a really good word neuroplasticity which is the ability for you to bounce back and that you can learn to respond that you don't that your brain isn't shaped it is able to respond in a in a different way and learn and be able to expand beyond the negative outcome right and it's just it's just science this is this is just fact so people are like no well things will never change uh false quite literally false right you are disproven right now with all the science that we've read about and all the science that's not just in this book, but everything um, out there that they're doing. So these are just beliefs. Yeah. And so, so listeners, this is a big book. Um, and this is the first chapter. We actually read the first two. So the overture is is a very big chapter to read as well in order to kind of understand why he wrote this book mm-hmm. and i think that it's the same reason why we do this podcast if you take a look at it it is because we believe that we are agents of change and we want all of you to to feel the same way and again if you are not feeling like that i would uh find a therapist if you're finding yourself stuck here, you know, stuck in some of these uh, mentalities that I'm not good enough, uh, you don't have the confidence that you would like, 
Um, I highly suggest therapy. I definitely meditation practice. A spiritual journey is another thing that I think has built my confidence over the years in a very positive way. If you feel like you cannot find some support, um, we as the Guru's podcast can definitely um, steer you into some ideas. So mm -hmm. we are always um, reading our emails and checking out if, you know, if any of our listeners are really in need. Um, I will, me and Brian will check out our emails and make sure that uh, we can you know, push you on the path or help put you on the path again to some healthy thinking, some habit of mind changes that we'll see maybe some things differently. And I think that uh, we can definitely together. And that's the thing that you said very early on is that we are all in this together. And having the understanding that we, some people get it. And I think therapists, because they're in the job of therapy, get that, that they're in the business to help you because they know that they're A, not better than you, but they're also an agent of change to be able to help see a better light. Absolutely. I, I have nothing to add to that, Andy. That was well said. Well said. Yeah. I, I think that it's just important. And... I think that with this first two chapters that we've read, the overture and this, uh, this is a vast book with a lot of amazing topics that we will hit on. I think that uh, we will enjoy the heck out of this book. And I love the fact that we're putting it through the rigors. You know, this is, I, I love the way that Brian's thinking about this because he's really, there's some mindfulness being put into you know, what has been said in this book and seeing, I, I think that we both agree that I think he says it for impact, but calling other people's the bottom yeah, um, is definitely a, maybe a not so nice way of putting it. But I think what he's trying to do is do it for impact to say that you don't have to be at the bottom. I mean, if he's talking about the class system, absolutely. And I, and I do think that that is what he's talking about for a minute there. It takes him, mm -hmm. takes him a while. But yeah, this, I overall, what I've gathered from the, the um, first bit that he's talking about why he wrote it. And then this first, this first rule of stand up straight with your shoulders back. Um, I really liked it. He got into some really good uh, tips and tricks on how to improve your life by literally standing up straight. Like yep. just by doing that, your serotonin levels can increase. So do yes. it. So do it. And we will see you guys next week. Take care, everyone. Thank you for listening.